Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, the weekly Magic the Cavern podcast where we talk all things Magic the Cavern. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neill. Hiya. And this week we also have a very special guest joining us, we're super, super excited about. We have the awesome Pleasant Kenobi. Hello, hi. How is everyone doing this week? Sam, how are you doing? Uh, it's probably best not to talk about it really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a time. I mean, I felt bad last week, I feel worse this week. Um, that's just the world at the moment. But I'm going to talk about magic cards for an hour, so there's that. <laughs> uh, Vince, how about yourself? It's it's super awesome to have you on this week. Um, how, how are you doing? How is How is life in lockdown for you? <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Um, I guess I can try and be a bit more positive than Sam, but it's going to be hard considering <laughs> where everyone is at at the moment. Yeah. Um, life in lockdown is weird. Uh, up until very recently, I probably would have said it has hardly affected me because my job has been for the best part of a year now just being at home in what is called my office doing videos and, and recordings and stuff. But obviously, uh, I'm getting to the point now where I want to see my friends and my family and my loved ones that I haven't seen and play some paper magic and recently be getting into Warhammer, so I want to play some Warhammer and just uh, my regular D&D group, all this stuff. So, yeah. yeah, I think I'm getting to the end of my tether, but we put, this probably end isn't even remotely in sight. <laughs> well, <laughs> it depends if you listen to Boris Johnson or not. I mean, that, that, that is a whole topic, I guess, we could, I don't know if you want to touch upon it, but yeah, England is a weird place. I, I don't know like if your listenership goes beyond England or not, but like America, other countries aren't having what we're having right now, where we're just we're just loosening everything. Or some parts of America are right. We're just like sure, just go out and do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, I've gone around today. Today was a weird thing. Apparently, there was a big, like a gigantic oxygen tank being delivered through the country, and it happened to be going through my town. And there's just like hundreds of people on the pavement to watch an oxygen tank be moved on a truck at five miles per hour through a town. <laughs> just like standing what? shoulder to shoulder with each other under umbrellas. Just standing. Just, what? Uh, there's news of pubs opening, isn't there? If they have a, yeah. if they, if the meals cost at least eight euros or more, they can open. I'm just like, yeah. how can you open your local Weatherspoons, if Weatherspoons counts, and let all these people just like mingle and spread the virus? Undoubtedly, but I can't have yeah. one friend over to play a tabletop board game. What, what is this about? What is going on? Yeah, yeah I, I think, sense. I think I, I saw a tweet which summed it up quite nicely. It was like, oh, I can't go and hug my gran, but I can go on Nemesis Inferno with her. <laughs> yeah. the, the best place for social distance uh, family reunions is definitely Thought Park, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we still around for hours in the queues anyway. Literally queues that could be seen from space, like, no doubt, if they've got two meter like separation between people. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And I think everyone's just... Everyone's got to the point where you're at, but they don't seem to care as much as you do. <laughs> you can yeah. get frustrated about it, but they're just doing whatever they want anyway. Um, I mean, we've, we've had people... Um, so I work at an LGS and we've had people like calling up being like, oh, can I come in and do this? I'm like, no. Or like asking them <laughs> when we're going to be open for draft and stuff. I'm like, no, we can't. Like, Yeah, there's no end in sight. Sorry. Yeah. So, well, other shops, other shops could be open. I was like, well, first of all, I disagree with the fact that other shops should be open. And second of all, this isn't kind of the shop where you just come in, buy stuff and leave. You kind of have mm-hmm. to be here for an extended period of time. And you also want to play magic, which is definitely not happening anytime yep. soon. So I mean, like I, I, I've made a point of when the shops opened. I have gone out to my LGSs. There's two of them: one model shop and one game store. But like, yeah. with the intention of spending some money there, then leaving and like and observing distances and like washing my hands and stuff. 
Meanwhile, the dude in the model shop's like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll be able to play modeling. I have the modeling events by by December. And I'm just like, I don't think you should be making any promises, buddy. Like, honestly, yeah. it's just... Absolutely not. It's, it's not something we're thinking about. Well, it's something we're thinking about, but it's not something like, oh, we've got to get it done soon because it's just not, it's not a safe thing to do at all. Yeah, I I think, yeah, exactly. I I think, I mean, I I don't want to be sound one of those people who's like, the economy might die and we need the economy to survive, but, but like, local businesses and independent businesses definitely do need some help through this, whether it be government help or the ability to, 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 to to sell something, right? Because places are operating at like, uh, even restaurants doing takeout still are still operating at like minimal, um, reduced capacity. So whether or not they're like, you can even cover their bills or their, or the payment of their workers and stuff. So there is that consideration. So I do understand getting people out to spend some money and stuff. And I purposely put money aside that I was going to spend on stuff online or whatever and waited for the source to open. But at the same time, people expecting to be able to play some physical games is kind of absurd. Especially with the yeah. store. Like, it's different to the idea of even getting people together like at home, right? Because at home, you can... You see a D&D group that gathers at your home like mine used to. You can discuss with the group who is a more bigger risk. Like, one of my friends might have to go to the capital to do his, his job. And if he's going on the underground, I'm going to respectfully say he can't come to the D&D nights until... Well, you know, we're at some end of the COVID virus. Yeah. But with stores, you don't have that option. With stores, they're open to everyone... And that way you can't stop that. So, yeah, it's a huge risk. Yeah. I mean, fortunately for us, most of our revenue comes from online sales. So we've That's just been, been able to do that. And the fact that people can't come in has actually been a benefit <laughs> rather than, than hindering anything. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of stores that have had to try and get online very quickly, right? And there's a lot of stores that have just failed to do so. Yeah, which and is really guess, unfortunate, yeah. I mean, some people might argue the free market means <laughs> the whole purpose of it is to weed out the weak, and the ones that can't <laughs> get online don't deserve it, but I'm, I, I don't see it that way. I'm like... Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good, yeah. <laughs> I think we'd have to terminate the podcast immediately if you turned out to be a huge capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> cool, right. Uh, do we want to talk about some magic cards instead of yeah. the doom and gloom of the world? That, that's, I mean, that's that was funny. tangentially magic. Right? <laughs> hey, what's your, it was related to LGSs, that counts. Since you're here, Vince, and you are quite a fay with Magic's Eternal formats, uh, we thought we'd ask you how you feel about them, because I've certainly made myself known on this podcast about how much I don't care about Legacy anymore. So I thought it'd be interesting to get someone who's sort of known for playing Legacy and modern and maybe some vintage, uh, see how you feel about everything. Oh, where to start? <laughs> Right. I guess um, as an introduction for myself, I guess for people who don't know who I am, um, I uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel and I make videos, and those videos often will we be in the non-rotating or eternal formats. That be legacy, modern, a bit of vintage here and there, commander as well, because I like to play with all these old and interesting and exciting cards. And recently, I've been voicing myself in my own content uh, the concerns that these formats have got worse and worse and worse over time. And we're and it's tiring and it causes burnout and it causes frustration not only just for content creators but for players as well and I'm seeing it a lot with my content when I'm doing a couple of Warhammer videos now people are saying in the comment section they feel the same way where they're like they're looking for something besides magic now because they feel like their modern and legacy formats are getting torn apart or ruined or not like what they once were so I'm seeing that sentiment echoed in like the response to my content as well so at least that gives me some reassurance that I'm not just being a miserable bastard and it's other people <laughs> seeing it in the same way I yeah. don't know how you'll feel about that as well yeah I mean it's a it's a weird combination of magic continuing to but in terms of eternal formats at least go down some kind of downward path and have this whole covid thing go on top so I can't actually physically play magic because I imagine yeah. if I could go you know to my LGS every week 
and play some games of Legacy or, or Pioneer or whatever, I'd probably be slightly higher up than I am on it. But the fact sure. there's all these things that are just pushing me away from these formats, and I also literally can't play, I've just moved to other things um, mm -hmm. to fill my time, because I don't want to put as much effort into you know, maintaining a legacy collection and, and caring all about it when they, they clearly don't particularly care about that format. Yeah. 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 I think that that's it's a sentiment that definitely rings true with me, I think, at the moment as well. Like, I, I'm not finding any real joy in kind of any of the constructed formats currently. And yeah, I think if, if I was able to go to a store and, and do a paper draft, I, I'd definitely be enjoying engaging with Magic a lot more at the moment, I think. Especially when we've got like so many cool like limited formats released like Ikoria the drafts that I have done on like Arena and Magic Online have been really cool but also like Mystery Booster and then Jumpstart's going to be out soon as well and it yeah you can you can you can replicate the the draft on on Arena on Magic Online but it's just a completely different experience and you know even if you do terribly in in person you still have that social aspect and yeah I think Magic the, the Gathering just isn't really the same without the Gathering I think um, the point you make about like Mystery Booster and Jumpstart's an important one because with Mystery Booster it was launched prior to COVID really being known, like the, yeah. the the initial happenings of it and stuff. And I was lucky enough to be at quite a few GPs where I got to draft it, and and then I and then I bought some boxes with the intention of not keeping them, but like having people pay into a draft to get the money back for them. And then COVID hit, and now I've got just two boxes sat on my shelf, and people are always going, "Oh, look at you with your two boxes!" Like, no, I need I need the I need the money back from those. <laughs> anyway, the point is, like Mystery Booster, they couldn't help it, but Jumpstart, I think, is a little bit of a mistake and a frustration that they've just steamrolled ahead with releasing it in a situation where we can't actually draft it. Yeah, like. I mean, arguably, it's one of the first draft formats in paper where you could probably play it over a webcam. You just get two boosters, smash them together, and play. Yeah. So perhaps there's that argument. And of course, like you said, it's going to be on Arena. I don't, is it even on Modo? I don't think it's on Modo, is it? It's, it's on Arena. not. No, it's just going to be on. Well, most of the cards will be on Arena. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a whole other uh, point that bugs <laughs> me as well. But I do think, like, if they're making these unique limited formats and, and experiments, why on earth are they not waiting? I guess the argument is the packs will still be there when we get out the other end of this. But in all honesty, with the with the speed at which they release products, Jumpstart will be long forgotten if we can't play Paper Magic until December of this year or like May of next year. Like it will be forgotten. So I think it's a bit yeah. of a shame, and and it just frustrates me a little bit, really. I mean, we'll probably do an episode on Jumpstart properly at some point, but just based on the reprints that we've seen over the last couple of days, the cards that are in the set, they're still going to sell packs. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested mm -hmm. in picking up a box just to open for reprints because I like opening boosters. Like they're still going to make money off it, whether or not people can actually meet up and play with them. Um, and obviously, the option there, like you said, like you can probably play it over webcam because it is just a small, small sealed deck. But like they'll still make money off it. And when when this whole thing hit, um, I made a point on on here saying that they should probably just just postpone everything in terms of releases. Um, and obviously, they did with the Courier, but then M21's just going to come out and everything's just going to chug along as normal. Um, just yeah. in spite of the fact that people can't actually get their, get access to the cards and actually play with them, because um, they can still make money, and and the fact that the fact that you know the secondary market's going up, people are still buying packs, just proves that they can just print whatever, regardless of how the world is, and just still make money. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I just think I don't know. Maybe, maybe um again, this is probably like a lot of this would be old man chatting like clouds. I think from my mm -hmm. perspective, <laughs> but like I I you know master sets for example, even though they're incredibly expensive. I see them as a set that I definitely want to like draft each one at least once because they're normally yeah. very fun draft sets. But maybe I know a lot of people just laugh at that and say, "No, Vince, all I want to do is crack these and make my money back on the reprints." And I'm just like, "Sure, I guess that is something that people can do as well." I, I mean, mean, I'm not quite like every booster has to be drafted, but 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I enjoy the draft sets and stuff, but I, I also just enjoy opening boxes because it's part of the, the fun of the game. It's what I mean. It's one of the things that got me into Magic is I enjoyed opening booster packs. <laughs> so I started playing Magic as an excuse <laughs> to do that. And that, that still drives a lot of... Um, a lot of the purchasing of magic cards are just people wanting to buy and open the packs instead of buying singles. So it's still going to happen, <laughs> regardless of whether we yeah. can actually play with them or not. People are still going to buy loads of it, and it's probably going to sell quite well, unfortunately. But I guess as well, surely the other thing as well with with Jumpstart and M twenty one being released so close together, I wonder if that will hinder Jumpstart's sales a little bit. Like people, they'll look at it in like you know six months, twelve months time, whenever they review this quarter, and be like, oh, that didn't sell as well. Because, or yeah. as well as they expected, because they are very close together. Like, the spoilers, one day it ended, the next day it started. Maybe that's making me feel like, feel like it's closer together. And they share some mm-hmm. of the same cards, too, obviously. Yeah. So it is yeah. like a sister product, almost. Well, we, we saw it happen, we see it happen all the time these days, but just with, with the, you know, the product burnout and whatever. We, we had it with, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was like Commander, one of the Commander sets and Modern Horizons and a standard set all released in like the same week or some, like something similar to that. And it's just all close together. Um, yeah, I think even if you go back as far as like Conspiracy Two, like you had so many like other sets came out around then that they, the set just ended up being massively underdrafted. But I mean, yeah. this is this is this is a I think this is worse than that because with a Coria, I mean, it's different with a Coria because a Coria yeah. got delayed loads, right? But you had a Coria and Commander Twenty Twenty, which were like intrinsically linked in their marketing and their cards and their theme and their flavor. And Jumpstart is basically M Twenty One's version of that because each booster has basically half M Twenty One cards and half even new or reprinted cards with the Jumpstart logo on them. Like some of the cards in those packs have the M Twenty One logo on them, as far as I understand it. So I'm wondering if every set from now on, every single set will have a supplementary funsy thing, Commander, Jumpstart, uh, or some other unmentioned sort of thing now, which again just then just double loads us. With every set release, we get a a tangential set as well. I mean, call me cynical for saying it, but something needs to go in the the collector booster slot, doesn't it? In the ancillary slot. Yeah, Yeah. so they can just tie it to that, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, mean, Corey had collector boosters and Commander 2020. Yeah. (laughs) And all the spoiler scenes were tied together and the release windows were the same. And it's just like, ugh. I think think the thing is, they're just trying to diversify their market for each release, right? Yeah. So if you've got a release date, you can sell the jumpstart to the people, like the the quote-unquote casual people who want to open Crater Hoof Behemoths and Exquisite Bloods. And then you've got the actual set for people that care about standard cards, I guess, and they're just trying to diversify the market. And then you've got people like us who will just buy whatever. Um, mm. And a lot of the market will just buy everything that they put out. And then obviously you've got the, the conversation about whales who will just buy everything, so you might as well pump out as much product as you can because it'll always sell to someone. There's just mm. They're just trying to... And have you seen that with the, like, the diversification of their supplementary products? They're just trying to find something that suits everyone and then hope that also there's some people that will just buy everything because they're magic cards and they want to buy magic cards. I don't know. There's a lot of conversations to have about them just printing stuff until we're all bored and don't have any money left. But it still sells. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it at the end of the day. I'm, I'm sure we, we can feel however we feel about the practices, but I'm sure their data backs up what they're doing. So it, it, it just it won't end as long as the, the data supports it, will it? No, I suppose not. Shareholders still get paid, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> and that, that's, guess so. that's the bottom line I guess that's what they care about literally yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but it gets to a point as well where you have to um, start ignoring stuff because of this as a content creator at least anyway yeah. I guess the point where I just I'm just like it's it's. I mean we had a break where there's no spoiler season and that felt like heaven 
But this time around for M21 Jumpstart, I've made like one video and I, I might end up making one more talking about a few things. Because you just have to, it's noise. You have to like learn to filter out noise. And this is the same for like all aspects of our lives, right? Social media is definitely another one of these where you've got to learn not to respond to everyone and block some people and just move on and mute and stuff. I think it's becoming that way with magic because we're just bombarded with so much noise that you've got to pick and choose where you go. And I guess if you're a legacy player, you've got to try and figure out what the legacy product is, for example. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still can't find where I fit in magic anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. It's something I've been trying to find out for, for ages now. Because I was like, oh, yeah, just I just play Legacy. Legacy is my format. I love it. It's great. And then they just, I mean, we'll come on to this in a bit, I guess, but they just decided to decimate Legacy. And now I don't want to play that format anymore. So now I'm trying to, like, like I guess I play Commander now, but then I don't really fit into the kind of the archetype of a Commander player. I just like playing Commander. And it feels bad to have like have put so much time and money and effort into playing Magic to just be like, oh, I'm just a commander player who'll play some some casual tables at a GP, you know? It doesn't yeah. really feel like enough out of a hobby that I've spent so much of my life investing in. Yeah. So, do we want to move on to talking about eternal formats, etc.? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's just uh, like it's very, it's just somber. The whole, the yeah. whole account is somber and uh, relatable. Well, that's the thing. This is what this podcast is. It's just me being overly negative all of the time, and then Joe trying desperately to scrape some kind of positivity out of it, <laughs> whether that's cool. effective yeah. or not. Um, yeah, and I'm, just, I mean, I'm along for the ride as a tourist. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, your your all your videos and your content are aggressively positive. You've never said a bad word about Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, it's surprising that I've got a Jumpstart spoiler at all, considering. Oh, you've got a spoiler? Yeah, yeah, my video for it comes out tomorrow after the recording of this podcast. Nice. Um, so, so I get to re re reveal the contents of one of the boosters. Well, technically two of the boosters. Oh, nice. Well, that'll come so, yeah. out. Based on my editing schedule, that'll have been out for about a week by the time anyone's listening to this podcast. <laughs> Indeed. So people can try and see if I dropped hints to what the cards were here, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm going to spend the rest of this podcast trying to work out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just interesting because obviously people will say that um, if you don't toe the line of Wizards narrative, as, as a, whether that be like uh, creative or trying to get employed there and stuff, you'll, you'll be, uh, I guess, blacklisted. There's a lot of conversation around that on Twitter recently, but... I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case because like, the professor is obviously he's the reviews guy so he's incredibly yeah. critical of Wizards at times and I am very very critical of Wizards at times but they still reach out I don't know if that's either a testament to how siloed they are so half the company doesn't know what the other half of the company is doing or <laughs> that they are actually or B, or, or, or B they don't know what our content says at all or, or C uh, they're, they're forgiving who knows I guess I mean, we can leave that up in the air I'm not I'm not opposed to the idea that it's just they see that you have a lot of reach and don't actually know what your content's about, so they'll just give you stuff I, anyway. Yeah, so that's, that's a bit of B, and I, 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 that's probably where I fall as well. <laughs> it's, it's very clear they don't actually watch the content when they give the spoilers out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the less said about that, the better, I guess. We could talk about that for a while as well. Yeah, uh, that's a whole different topic, I guess. Yeah. Um, cool. So, I'm going to ask a fairly broad question. Uh Vince, how do you feel about Legacy at the moment? <sighs> yep. <laughs> I don't... I'm trying to stop myself from just saying bad. I played a League of Legacy yesterday and enjoyed it. Good, um, okay. So that's something. I mean, one of the games that didn't make the video that'll come out today, but a week ago if anyone will listen to this, 
I actually like lost my rag where like Modo wasn't being intuitive about how you can play a Trinisphere, a chance for Trinisphere. I think it's been changed because they change the interface every five seconds, don't they, on on Modo? Yeah. Um. But so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying myself purposefully to try and enjoy Magic like I always have. But I feel like a lot of things go against it, whether that be the company, whether that be the release schedule, whether that be the cards printed, or whether that be the, the methodology through which you can play, where Arena doesn't seem to care about these older formats, and, well, Modo is just literally being kept alive on life support. So I'm trying to be more positive is what I'm getting at. And it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, what did you play in that league, out of interest? Uh, Winota Prison, the the, the red white prison deck playing Winota, Jesus and Angrath's um, <laughs> Marauders, and then you just Rabble Master the tokens okay. from the Rabble Master, then trigger Winota when you play her, and then that finds you in Angrath's Marauders. And if you're really lucky, attack with multiple goblins, you can get two Marauders or three, and just dome them for like 140 damage or whatever. It's it's pretty fun. I think it's okay. not the game of the league to go, but um, yeah, the deck's fun because it's. Oh, I don't know if, if I played it like through 16 leagues, I'd probably get very bored of it. But new stuff can be fun, I guess, is the, is the thing yeah. to learn from that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so is that just basically like the, the red prison shell with Winota stuck into it? Essentially, yeah. The, the Blood Moons have to be changed out for Blood Suns because you need to play either Fetchlands or Plateaus or mm-hmm. Battlefield Forges to cast your white spells. Um, so it, it plays a little bit differently, but not hugely. So it's, it's an evolution of the red prison deck. It's not necessarily even better, but it's got more of a combo finish. It's got a quicker finish. Sometimes you're stuck trying to grind out a finish while they're trying to get back in the game, where we're noticed just like, nah, let's just uh, slam some Angrath's Marauders. Which is interesting <laughs> because the card of choice, the finisher there, the best, the biggest and best human you can find in all of Legacy is a card from Ixalom. It's yeah. just like... <laughs> If that's gonna, not Testament or Paramount to the Power Creep of Magic, I don't know what it is. I'm going to remind myself what Angrath's Marauders does. Uh, it's a 4-4 four, four for 7 mana that doubles all damage that permanent sources you control would deal to, an oppo- to opponents. Of course. <laughs> legacy playable, so, of course. Yeah, so, so it's only legacy playable because of the cheating. But, um, yeah, it's also the best human they've ever printed, arguably. Up there with Agent <laughs> of Treachery. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you exclude Manacos, obviously. So it's Red Wizard Brand, basically, is what you're saying. Essentially, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, <laughs> and both that and Agent of Treachery, the two best options for Winota, were both printed in the last... Uh, when did Ixalan come out? 2017? 2018? No way! I think. Yeah. Okay, in which case, that's maybe that's nice that one of these cards is at least two years old and not six months <laughs> old. See, and I think that very nicely dovetails into <laughs> the conversation I want to have, where they just keep printing cards that are better than every other card, and seemingly in basically every set. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's one thing that we've we've definitely discussed here before. Like, it, it seems to be, you know, like in the past twelve months, there's obviously been a slew of just ever increasing powerful cards to the point where now it looks like you take a look at any you know, modern legacy deck, like at legacy especially, every pretty much every deck just looks like it's it's fifty percent cards that were released from M fifteen onwards, which yeah. kind of is is like the antithesis of the format really if it's meant to be the place where you're playing all of these these old cards these archaic cards this all all, old forbidden magic that you only get to play with in these old formats now it's just i'm gonna cast an uro on turn two and then yeah do silly things with not we're not yeah i mean that's the it's just like jewel lands fetch lands brainstorm force of will etc and then just a slew of cards printed in the last three years is essentially how the format feels at this point 
I think it feels that. So I'm gonna uh, maybe this is the devil's advocate element here. I'm Excellent. sorry because uh, I'm also tired of people on Twitter playing devil's advocate for things I don't need to. But <laughs> in, in, but but genuinely, like I don't know if so. The statement that the majority of the cards being played in Legacy right now are M15 onwards is a weird one because there are still loads and loads of cards in Magic that have never had a better version. Right? You, you just mentioned Grizzlebrand. So Grizzlebrand. Will we ever have a better Grizzle brand? To be honest, at the rate we're going, probably, <laughs> but it hasn't happened yeah. yet. Emrakul, uh, Show Intel, Sneak Attack, uh, Source to Plowshares, Caracas, Life from the Loam, Delver of Secrets, right? I mean, they keep trying. They keep putting very efficient one-drop blue creatures <laughs> yeah. with, like, upside, but they haven't got to Delver levels yet, right? So I think there are a lot of cards that are still left over from older... I mean, literally just look at Goldfish now. Knight of the Valkyrie and the Green Suns are in one of the top four decks. That's nice to see. Whoa, what um, decks that? Or, uh, apparently Maverick is uh, almost 5% of the meta game right now so ma- maybe so- maybe the world is a better place than we think it is who knows if I can play <laughs> but, Maverick I'm but, playing <laughs> yeah exactly well, I saw this actually a couple days ago when I was looking uh, playing the Winota deck and I thought oh should I play Maverick this week but I, I, I kept fast and thought people will want to see this before Winota gets banned or or ends up the deck isn't that good but anyway my point get, I'm getting to is that I think there are a load of cards that haven't been improved upon the problem is the cards that have been improved upon or the news that they print that is obviously very good is just not fun. Like, in the slightest. Yeah. So, like, like yeah. Oko is just an obvious one. I think we've all, like, banged that drum to death, right? Like, yeah. Veil of Summer, although it's not replaced... <laughs> but it is replacing some stuff, because it, it's yeah. essentially spell pierce, but it's also cryptic command, but it's also, like, um, I can't think of a card that protects it's a creature. It's, fluster, it's Flusterstorm. Yeah, it's Flusterstorm like... as well. Like it's, it's it's all these things in one, right? And then you've got things like Uro. Uro's the other one that I really get frustrated by, because... It does. It's like it's basically better than Thragtusk at this point, right? Like, why would you ever play a Thragtusk in any format if you can just play Uro early, Uro late, and then replay Uro after they group blocked it down because they don't have XR removal? Like, Uro is absurd. So I think they are doing that, but I'm just I'm just saying not as much as you first said because still, Charles the Void is playable, Bopticay is playable, Dark Confidence is playable, Ponder, Brainstorm, and the Fetch, like you said, are all yeah. playable. But the cards they are printing are dumb, and that there's no there's no better example of that than Oko and of course the companions because the companions were like just absurd compared to everything else i think one of the things that's interesting is that they're not willing to print unfair cards anymore in the general sense of and i mean we've had this conversation specifically on this podcast before unfair in the traditional sense of unfair so like your sneak attacks and your show and tells they're not willing to print cards like that but in terms of like cards that are so fair that they're oppressive like Oko and like Oro and like Veil of Summer because inherently Veil of Summer is a fair card right like the point of it is to stop your opponent doing stuff to you and then you draw a card but in terms of it's like I guess the philosophy yeah. behind its design it's a fair card Oko is a fair yeah, card because it, it makes food beast within something and then does a thing with switcheroos like it, in terms of its design it's fair it's just been pushed to the nth degree whereas they wouldn't print like a new show and tell or a new storm card or a new dredge card like they they don't want to print those or when they do print them they they are very cautious so like plain bound accomplice um yeah. which was the sneak attack for planeswalkers yeah. uh we've had a few basically every set has something where it's like a super watered down um higher cmc poorer version of old unfair cards like copper fed was like a poorer version of was a copper fed was a poorer version of grizzle brand whichever one the one that like when you lost life you draw cards Villas? and you could lose life for this ability Villis? yeah Villis. yeah Villis is pretty good but it's a poorer version of grizzle brand we see that a lot with the unfairer stuff but because they want magic to be played on the board and they want mid-range back and forth removal spell based 
games to existing standard, they just push the envelope with mid-range stuff all the time to the point that we've got cards that can slog it out and feel, like you said, oppressive. And I think old definitions of fair and unfair might need to go eventually because you're out there saying that these cards are fair, which they are by the current definitions of what we call fair, right? They're not cheating on mana and stuff. But, like, the things that Veil of Someone can do where you can play things through a chalice or... Or it allows you to counter a four mana spell for one mana, for example, which I guess is the definition of counter spells. Or Oko being fair, I think is the point where we're like, I don't think we can. Fair is not a fit for purpose term anymore because yeah. yeah. Oko yeah. doesn't feel fair. Exactly. It's absurd. So it's the, it's the mid range push, I think. Yeah. yeah. Banned, in, banned in every format under the sun, but technically fair. Like, yeah, well, 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 I, I fully agree with that. The fact that it's still legal and legacy boils my blood. Every time someone casts it and elks one of my things, I'm just like, oh, come on. Don't do take I have Oko to play away this? from me. Do you, do you like it in legacy? This is the thing with all these cards. Like, because I play such bad decks, so like, it's like Maverick's my deck, right, in legacy, and I've played it forever. Um, sure. So I played it with, uh, I played Ren 6 in, in yep. Maverick um, and it's the best Maverick has ever felt and I feel like didn't in... we didn't we meet the f- just was it yeah. bef- shortly before or after the Ren and Six ban when we met in London just was before um, yeah no Birmingham I think Birmingham Birmingham yeah because yeah. I was either on the train of like begging for it to be banned or like on the on the after hype of it being banned and you were definitely against that <laughs> yeah definitely that's the thing like it was so because in my deck, in my Maverick deck, it, it felt fair. It felt like it pushed Maverick up a notch from being kind of a little bit bad, but you can definitely win if you know what you're doing, to this is just a good metagame decision. And so that's the thing, because I spent, I spent all of GP Birmingham just like cleaning up um, side event tables and walked away with a lot of ticks um, with, with Maverick with Ren and Six in it. Um, because it wasn't doing the unfair things that Ren and Six was doing in like your four-color piles and whatever. It was just a good value card to play in that deck. And then they took that away from me. <laughs> um, and then I have started playing Oko in Maverick, which is a thing that quite a few people were doing. And it just mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. feels like that that sort of one thing that becomes sort of your bullshit checker, right? Um, yeah, sure. But I mean, I, I seven won the arena draft yesterday with an error in my deck. It doesn't mean I think the card like should exist. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you can win with these cards and they can make your decks better. But still, at the end of the day, I feel like Oko has done nothing but damage magic. Like its legacy is damaging. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. Like, but I enjoy playing it, right? Like, I think yeah. it, I think it should probably go. I think Astrolabe and Veil vale should go first, um, and then we see where we are. But Oko, Oko probably needs to go as well. But it was the same when Gitaxian Pro got banned, and I was like, can I just play it in Infect? Like, please, just let me have it in Infect, <laughs> but you can ban it everywhere else because I don't think it's, like, completely insane in, in Infect. And the same way as, like, Renin 6, like, can, can I just have it in Maverick? Or, like, Oko? Can I mean, I, 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 I fundamentally disagree with what you just said. I think oh, Pro oh, was, yeah. pretty, was pretty much too good for Infect too, enabling yeah, but... uh, Delve and also just telling you when you can just go for it. You don't have to play around <laughs> anything. That, that, yeah, Pro, good. The Witch is dead. Good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but I'm an entitled Magic player, Vince, and I want to have things for me. <laughs> <laughs> and my opinion sure, is more but, important than but, everyone else's yeah I get that I get that <laughs> I, hear, I hear that a lot in the conversations of my videos yeah I'm sure you do yeah. <laughs> I mean like even as an ant player like probe just get it gone get it gone get I don't know Veil of Summer get that out of here as well uh, Astrolabe are you playing Veil main yeah. board in Ad Nauseam? yes I am yeah yeah because um, yeah. you just have to it's just correct yeah you. yeah Oh, I, yeah. main, so main phase the... one or fire off a veil or they haven't got a response okay I win or, yeah because yeah, there, there are people who are like on the fence about it aren't they or don't play it because the last time I played Ant for a stream 
I took some five O list and it had no veil. And my my, yeah. my Twitch chat were like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I got this off Goldfish. There, there must be some people out there who believe this." <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. it's uh, I think I think in that stream someone veiled me when I went to dress them, and it was yeah. just like, "Well, you know, turned to camera and like a sad trombone play." <laughs> So yeah, yeah the, like, is... no matter who's on the receiving end of a veil, it just feels bad. It's uh, a horrible card. Look, that's one of the upsides of still playing Mono White DNT and Legacy. Yeah. Is that veil is very rarely a card that makes yeah. you feel bad. Yeah, but in terms of cards that make you feel bad for DNT, uh, Astrolabe. Yep, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, this is a card that I've been, I've been, uh, I did a video about Walking Ballista a little while back where I complained about how, although I don't think it should be banned from formats, I think it was a mistake and something they should learn from because it made it, yeah. it, it made a lot of uh, combat decks uniform because it stopped like you know, for example, food chain being exciting and going to get its Emrakul and casting Emrakul, right? So I made that video and it was very successful because if I if I ever make a video where I complain about something, people will love it. But it takes its toll complaining about stuff, right? But yeah. I do love Legacy, and I do hate Astrolabe. So I guess I, sh- I should make that video where I sit down and I talk about the reasons why I hate Astrolabe. That is something I will do, but I've been trying to avoid... I guess yeah. this podcast is an exception, of course, and I'm, yeah. I'm glad to come on here and run. But I've been trying to, like, for my own sake, try and look at things in a more positive light, but, man, I hate Astrolabe. That, yeah. Oh, that card. Astrolabe's why? insane. Why? But, but but I guess the other question, and this is a question to you both, because it's something I've been considering a lot, similar to how you said about every card in the new decks are M15, and I said, arguably they're not, is Astrolabe just not the, the next part of the pantheon of Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain, and Astrolabe? Is it not just a cantrip that, if I started playing Legacy today, if I bought my Legacy deck now and started playing, Astrolabe's part of the format and I'd learn to adopt it, in the same way that when I started playing d and I don't know how many years ago now, four years perhaps, five years ponder preordain and brainstorm existed therefore i never questioned their inclusion in the format even if you know 50 to 60 percent of the format is playing them are we not just looking to have legacy be what we wanted back when innistrad was around or whatever is is that not what we're doing demanding our old favorite legacy back no are you, are you calling us boomers <laughs> no maybe but i'm not just youtube but i'm saying myself as well no, I, so i stop to question this every time i do it i'm like is astrolabe yeah. just part of the format now and i hate it because legacy has changed because I, I, th- I think I, I was very much i very much used to be in that mindset I, I think i i was somebody six months ago who would have been like oh yeah astrolabe is fine in the format it's great in the format you could argue xyz for it being in the format but yeah i think at this point my opinion has reverted back to like no like brainstorm force will wasteland or the pillars of legacy and now wasteland feels a lot worse to play uh Maybe I'm not not happy about that. I mean, I think yeah, and I, think I mean, I agree point. with you on that. By the way, I agree with you on that. Yeah, I think that that's that's my point is that um, sometimes brainstorm is bad, sometimes ponder is bad, sometimes force of will is bad, sometimes wasteland is bad. Astrolabe is never bad. Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem: the fact that it, it invalidates so much of the the format that you just sort of has to you have to play Astrolabe or you have to be playing some kind of nonsense combo deck, and the fact that DNT is still doing quite well is, I guess, a counter to that argument. But Brainstorm is just... It's bad unless you have a fetch land, and even then it might still be bad. Whereas Astrolabe, it's just it's just always good because it always makes turns your opponent's wastelands off, always fixes all of the colours of mana so you can still play four-colour decks in the same way that Deathrite Shaman was a problem for that. Um, and it can Or in six. Yeah, exactly. And it replaces itself. <laughs> it's like... It's 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 never a bad card. You're it's also like a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a permanent for uh, things like Metalcraft. And, exactly, yeah. I, yeah, it's, I, mean, I don't think it's any essentials and stuff, but there's, there's a lot of things it does. It's crazy. Yeah. But, I, but, but again, like, is it just... So, like, 
So a lot of people are playing like is it pre Innistrad Legacy is a thing that like the British community are trying to get going. Is that is that right? Some, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Is it pre, is it pre Innistrad? Uh, it's like it it's like the opposite of Pioneer, right? It's like the start of Pioneer and before, <laughs> I think. <laughs> it's something like that. And then the whole idea is to play before Delver, I think. So it's pre. Yeah. I'd have to double check, but but and I'm wondering if that's kind of Legacy's had its eras, right? Like where cards yeah. have even been banned out or things have come out, and like Delver itself, for example redefined the format i wasn't playing them but i'm very much aware that delver shook up uh i guess extended and legacy at the time Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i'm wondering if you know delver is now although delver obviously is normally the deck that breaks new cards we all know that but like is delver similar to that in a sense that in five to ten years time we'll be like well astro's just part of the format now and i was only complaining because it made the strategies that i like playing which tend to be death and taxes or prison or or, or dnt's adjacent decks like maverick just made those worse is it because it made my decks worse that i'm moaning i mean i i believe i argue in good faith there's other reasons that it's bad for the format for, as a health but yeah i mean I'm, I'm in that camp as well it makes decks i like bad and that upsets me <laughs> like honestly that's part, that's part <laughs> of the reason um i guess that's a valid that's a valid way to feel on top of the fact that you might think it also is bad in terms of the way it makes mana bases too easy and stuff. Yeah, like the fact that Wasteland and Night of the Reliquary aren't particularly good right now, in spite of the fact that apparently Maverick is 5% of the, of the metagame, uh, is, isn't good. And it's part of why I like Legacy is that you can do whatever you want, essentially. And I don't think that's been true since Astrolabe. But the thing with Delver is just that if you have two removal spells, they probably can't win the game anymore. Whoa, 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 whoa. Astrolabe allows you to do what you want as well. It allows you to cast whatever spells you want. You can back yeah. to basics. You can be a four-colour control deck and you can back to basics your opponent's mono-white wheelie deck out of the, out of the game. That's what Astrolabe lets you do. That's part, that's, that's part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it lets you do whatever you want as long as you're playing Astrolabe. Exactly, yeah. Um, All decks are equal, but Astrolabe is more. <laughs> yeah, it is. That, that's honestly how it feels. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that really sealed the deal for me was talking to you about a time when you, you just just straight up comparing it to Deathrite Shaman and it definitely feels like that a lot of the time and we know how much of a problem that that card is so yeah i think actually fits in that camp too perfectly this might be maybe this is just a spot of the moment and not necessarily true if i thought about it for a bit longer and i wouldn't (laughs) maybe this is not to do with what you do as content creators but i think that definitely shaman might have been a fairer card than actually yes agree it's a like probably, you, pro- probably yeah. It's Death- just so much easier to interact with. <laughs> yeah, like it, on so many levels. That's the thing. Deathrite Shaman was an astrolabe that was a win condition if you let it go on enough, uh, go on long enough. But also just ate a lightning bolt or a plow, whereas you can't do that yeah. with astrolabe. Like it's doing basically the same thing. But you don't have you, to, you don't have to warp your deck to disable it. Yeah. You're not like playing like yeah. you know multiple collector roofs in your sideboard just to fight the astrolabe decks, for example. Exactly. Like, like Deathrite Shaman died to removal. Like. That's the thing, like, yeah, obviously the dice removal is, is the biggest meme in Magic, but also it does dice removal. In the same, this is the same thing with Delver, like, it dies removal, so if it's a really, really powerful problem, at some point you can, it, it, it dies and your opponent can't beat it. Like, I enjoy playing Maverick versus Delver, because if you just manage to deal with a Delver, then you just get to win. <laughs> Whereas if, I, I can't, there's no sort of, like, answer like that against Astrolabe decks. Yeah, yeah. Also, well, I mean, but then also, we're not being completely fair, because... Different Shaman also could just win the game on its own, where Astrolabe yeah. requires other cards. So, I mean... Yeah, of course, of course. An uncontested Deathrite Shaman. Also, Deathrite Shaman was acceleration, not just fixing. Yeah, so... Yeah. Actually, you know what? Now I've said it. I've, I've <laughs> thought through it for, like, three minutes. Del- Deathrite Shaman was definitely uh, a worse... A better card, like, all round. However... I do still feel like it was easier to play against without it warping the metagame. So yeah, stronger card, more powerful card, for multiple reasons, obviously. But I feel like it's easier... But but perhaps less so problematic because 
the answers were already there in your deck. Yeah, sure. yeah. That, that's yeah. fair, definitely, yeah. yeah. Like, I could flick a Wisp out, uh, I mean, this is just a personal thing, right? I could flick her out a Deathrite Shaman and feel good about life. If I flick her out an Astrolabe trying to deny a mana, <laughs> I feel awful. Like, generally, yeah. just don't want to play Magic anymore. Yeah, exactly. I will point out that I've just got an email telling me about your new video, events. <laughs> just... Oh, that's good, it's that's got... good. It... <laughs> well, hang on, the Warhammer one or a Magic one? Uh, Legacy Winota. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Because if it was the Warhammer one, that's over a day late. Yeah. If, it's the, if it's the Winota one, it's seven minutes since it went up. Okay, okay cool. Good. Yeah, it's just good. Google good. letting me know that you've put out more content. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Amazing. that's good. It seems to just pick and choose when it does that. Yeah. It seems to believe it understands what you would like to see better than you do, I think, is what Google and YouTube believes. Yeah, it's, yeah it, it hasn't told me. I've got the notifications on. It hasn't told me. <laughs> It's so good when you just like sit there and like see the comparison. Yeah. Like I had someone who was like, I cannot wait for your Warhammer Wednesday video. When's it out? And I, it's been out for three hours. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> didn't, didn't get the notification. And I was like, oh well. Ah, oh, the world of YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think I think Astrolab is my biggest problem. I mean, it's nice to hear someone else, especially especially someone whose opinion I respect on Legacy, talking about how they also don't think it's a good thing. Because I feel like I've been going mad. Like it's just me that complains about Astrolabe, and I don't really see like a continued argument from anyone else. I feel like there is like a I don't want to. I'm going to use the word the term lightly and like sort of jokingly. Like there's a bit of gaslighting going on with some members of the community where they'll be like they'll they'll say that ban Astrolabe is a meme, right? Where I don't think it is a meme. I think it's a lot of people who are generally frustrated by this card and a handful of others, but that'd be like Veil, Oko, and to a slightly less extent Uro. But people who play the Astrolabe, enjoy it, and 5 0 and win an event with it are all saying, oh, you're just memeing. People will accuse me of this all the time because I'm very vocal about the things I dislike, like the lack of reprints of Fetchlands, for example, Stoneforge Mystic being banned in Modern, for example. These things that I just feel like are just unjust, essentially. And that is just dismissing other people's legitimate concerns because this is not necessarily a meme. These are cards that have fundamentally just made the format worse, but people want to dismiss yeah. it. Yeah, well, that's that's it's the same thing with me wanting to keep Oko in in Maverick and wanting to keep Probe in Infect, right? Like, <laughs> I'm aware that it's wrong, but also I want to keep it for myself, right? So, it's it's just uh, yeah, I I feel like it's not not that any magic issues are remotely big in terms of actual scope, but it's one of the sure. bigger issues I think affecting Legacy and kind of modern as well that just don't seem to get any traction really um i'm just i'm just wondering if like, i'm waiting for the moment where like one of my favorite decks has a card in it that's just too good because i don't think this has ever happened i seem to always play the underdog decks the decks just aren't the best decks yeah i don't and think they're gonna I've... ban thalia or blood moon anytime soon <laughs> i mean i mean i mean i mean twin was probably the closest i had to that because i had twin built and i enjoyed twin but i just i never played it given the chance at a gp side event i'll just play modern dnt yeah <laughs> so but i guess twin going i was like well that that seemed a bit unnecessary but uh that's the closest i've been so maybe i would have a different tune if people were accusing Aethervile of being the most broken deck because humans were still dominant in modern, for example. But uh, it's not. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. Is if it affects you personally, you've got more of a stake in it, I guess. And you care more about it. Yeah. Like, I've pretty much sworn off Legacy now until they get rid of Astrolabe. Because I'm just sick of saying playing the same matchup. And, like, you know, I have a finite amount of resources and I've invested in a Maverick deck. And sure, I've pissed a lot of money away on getting Japanese versions of those cards for no re- real reason where I could have just bought like, a play set of Force of Wills. But oh, that's a mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, I could have bought loads more jewels, but instead I own Japanese Noble Hierarchs. Um, but yeah, like I, I've, you know, I've bought a deck and it's my deck and I think it's, I know it inside out. I'm not very good at magic, but I'm very good at playing Legacy Maverick. And I don't get to do that anymore. 
And it was the same with Infect. I was like, well, I just don't get to do my favorite deck anymore. So why okay, should I bother? So, so, so here's, a, here's like a... And this is on about the whole Wizards keep printing absolute nonsense, right? Like every single set. They yep. just print <laughs> ludicrous things. How about, instead of Astrolabe getting banned out, we get our Calderheim set in six months' time or whenever the next set, we don't know what it's called, it comes. And Snow becomes a thing that it's not necessarily just free to play. We get... Uh, I don't know, a, an efficient beta that by chance when it ETBs blows up a snow permanent, for example, and that card becomes a staple in Legacy, blow up snowlands and astrolabes. And similar, uh, uh, that's just a hypothetical uh, example of that. But what if that comes up? Would that be something that you'd want them to explore, or are you scared they'll just balls that up because they keep printing all this ludicrous stuff? I mean, yeah, I definitely think they'll push it too far. <laughs> if they did something like that, they'd make something completely broken, like an Armageddon for Snowlands. But like, that's the thing. Like, if you print an Armageddon would for Snowlands, would that be broken though? I think that'd be. be perfectly fine. That's like... the thing. It, I think it would get to a point where, like, so you'd you'd have all the, the snow decks, and then they print, say, an Armageddon for Snowlands, and then the, the then you wouldn't see any snow decks for a while. Um, because people are playing that card and then people would stop playing that card but people wouldn't go back to playing the snow decks because of the threat of something like a snow Armageddon and then it would bounce itself out it's like Astralib is a thing you can do but you probably shouldn't because there is a potential for people to sideboard this thing um, but I'm, I'm talking like I think I think narrow answers like the example you give there I think that would lead to that back and forth perhaps and also it might just lead to warped games where people are just playing this is the snow sub game which I don't think will be healthy for the format yeah. either I think, like, if they had snow hate, it'd have to be incidental. And maybe things like cards that just are buffed if your opponent has snow permanence. So, for example, like the, the series from Dominaria, the white and the black knight that have um, plus one, plus zero, and first strike if your opponent controls the black or white permanent? Yeah. What are yeah, they called? Yeah. Something like that. So you have like a, you have a Goyf that has, you know, an extra two power. Not a Goyf specifically, but an efficient beta for Legacy that has more power or has protections or whatever if your opponent controls a snow permanent. Like a reverse uh, snow coil. Like yeah, benefits. like Icebound Quartal, yeah. Yeah, so that, that way, in the draft environment, it, it, it might punish people for playing Snow, or reward people for playing Snow, or whatever, and in Eternal Formats, because at the moment, it is just free, and I hate that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I don't know if narrow answers would even do anything, necessarily. But, I mean, I think, I think them, you know, potentially printing something that answers Snow, answers a mistake they've made, would suggest that they actually care at all about eternal formats <laughs> like no one's no one like is listening to it. the fact that they banned anything out of legacy at all is quite surprising to me at this point because it just seems sure. like they don't pay it any mind really because it's not i mean it's not a marketable format is it really the fact that you know modern horizons has had such a huge impact on legacy is very much an accident more than it is the intent i think um like they, they don't care about you know, changing the face of legacy or ruining legacy or improving legacy. If you know, if Modern Horizons come out and we got like a load of stuff that made legacy loads better, even though I think that legacy was great before Modern Horizons, that wouldn't have been their intent. That would have just been something that had happened accidentally. And I think that's just that's most of my problem with it. It's just they're they're, they're printing this stuff. That, I mean, all of the stuff's clearly too powerful for standard. Because if you were to, I think it was Frank Carsten was talking about if you just had a no ban standard tournament, what would that look like? With Once Upon a right. Time and Oko and <laughs> Fairly Summer <laughs> and Winota and, you know. Um, but it, it's just this accidental byproduct where, you know, you, you print Teferi Time Raveler into standard and it's a problem there, but then it just also is a problem in older formats. And you, you print, you know, Urza and Astrolabe and it just 
is a problem in the formats, but they, they don't really care about that. It's just an accident that it does those things. Well, it's interesting we got the Safari thing, right? Because there's this, there's this, there's this, this soundbite, I say soundbite, text bite you will see of, we don't test for legacy. Which, yep. yeah. f- firstly, is something I don't really understand because, I mean, well, obviously I understand it if they don't care about the format, but if they cared about formats, this isn't like an indie developer making a card game with like six people in an office. This yeah. is... This is the greatest card game ever made, potentially the most culturally relevant, and potentially the like highest grossing. I don't know if Hearthstone makes more money or not. I just don't have the figures or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's been made by a company who is a subsidy of the biggest, if not one of the top three toy companies in the world. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, we can't, we can't possibly afford to have, yeah. I don't know, two people who are experts on legacy look over a portfolio, or like pros look over a portfolio for modern. But yada yada yada. So that bit annoys me for a start. But it's interesting that you bring up Teferi because. That isn't just or wasn't just a problem for Legacy. People are quite frustrated with Teferi across every single format. So I think this 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 goes... There is an element of not caring, but this is beyond them just being like, oh, Legacy be damned. It's every set prints more and more ludicrous stuff. And Companion was, I'm going to say again, the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen. Like, upon initial seeing it, I'm like... You can recast Black Lotuses with this. Yeah, exactly. You can, like, bauble yeah. it. What is going on? So it's not even just the disregard for Legacy. It's just a disregard for Power Creep, I think. Like, we've always talked about Power Creep and Magic and Magic dying, but I, th- I don't think Magic's dying, but Jesus Christ, the Power Creep is insane right now. I think I'd find it a lot easier to take if they just fucking said it. <laughs> like, if they were <laughs> yeah. just like, okay, yeah, we want to print Teferi Time Ravelers and Uros and Okos. That's what we want to do. This is what this game is now. This game is like a ramped up power level from anything you've ever seen. This is just the game. I'd hate it, but I'd be okay with it. Because they've than... always said they go back and forth, don't they? They've always yeah. said they go up and down in power level. I'm like, where is the down? Like, I'm just talking about a legacy deck that isn't, like, it's not top tier or whatever, but it's Wincon is an Ixalan card being summoned by an Ikoria card. Like, where is the downshift here? I mean, yeah, I think even if you you look back at that article that they wrote um, when they had to ban Oko, um, they talked about power levels, and they, they, they did say in that article that, yes, there was a conscious decision to ramp power level up from, from Corset 2020 onwards, and, and Eldraine was kind of like the, the ceiling of, of where they wanted to go, and that in the future, stuff like, like Theros Beyond Death and Inacoria would have been the, the lower side of that, but it really doesn't feel like it. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, like, they, that's the, they just seem to make arbitrary arbitrary statements to kind of quell the out, the, the like, the backlash, I guess. Because when, you know, mm-hmm. when Oko's, like, objectively one of the worst things to happen to Magic in any format for a long time, they're like, oh yeah, that's that's the, the the top power level. That's as that's as far as we want to go. We're sorry about that. We missed it. That's as powerful as we want to go. And then they release Uro, and then they release Luris and all the companions. And you're like, well, you just lied then, <laughs> because. But, but there's also but but there's also to say they have lied would suggest that they've done it purposefully. Yeah. There's also yeah. an element of these are just all these are all genuine mistakes. Now, there's obviously that doesn't like admit them of any issues or criticism, but um, admit, o- omit them of criticism, omit. Whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't excuse stop them. them. Excuse them of any criticism. Maybe. But right. like, but yeah, maybe. Who knows? English is hard. Um, but like, yeah, like if it is just mistake after mistake after mistake, and I mean, mistakes happen and that's cool and everything, but some of these mistakes have been actually ludicrous. Like I, I've been playing Magic for a very long time. I've been making content about Magic for years. I've been playing Legacy for years. Modern for longer. Uh, I've been playing Standard since Shards of Alara. I've been drafting since before that, right? I have never seen anything like this. Like, yeah. Oko and Companions make Core Blade seem like nothing. Absolutely yeah, I mean, nothing. They managed to make Black Lotus even better somehow. Like, <laughs> 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 the, 
the year they improved Black Lotus because you could just recast it with Loris. Like, yeah. It's... But okay, okay. So like another point, like off the back of this, then is do you guys believe that perhaps are like we're sat here saying we're being very negative and we like I joked that I'm being negative and I try not to be and all that sort of stuff, but. Do you feel like the, the social media environment and the constant playing of Magic, because we can play Magic at any time of the day, any day of the week, thanks to Modo and Arena, do you feel that like constant on point makes things feel worse or creates a perfect storm for for, mm. for negative uh, emotions to come out compared to what they have in the past? Definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah, you see, see I, that I with... I absolutely think so. You see that with, you know, metagames being broken far before they're intended to. So that stuff gets broken mm-hmm. now after, like, b- b- I mean, before the set's out. During spoiler season, someone breaks it, breaks the, the format, and just waits for the next big tournament to actually play it and actually do well. Whereas before, like it, it took a, it took a while for Chase the Mind Sculpts to be a problem, right? Yeah. Um, whereas now Lurus is just like before the set's even released, is just a decimating vintage. Like, so yeah, so this... we went from from one week with Lurus going, oh, this this is cute. like the first time we saw it, we we're like, oh, this is cute. This is going to fit in exclusively Ant and Legacy and do this. And then the next week, it's like, oh no, it's four of and mono red in modern, and it's five nil in leagues. Great. Yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> there's, there's that there's that environment where like the actual game has been pushed, like the the ability, and maybe maybe if we didn't have this, we wouldn't be able to find the broken cards as quickly. Yeah. But yeah, like it's the, by the same token, the fact that people can immediately jump online and go, Astrolabe is the worst card they've ever printed and then log off. If they have any kind of clout, that just starts an entire conversation. Um, yeah. And it's just... Yeah, exactly. This is, this is something I'm very fearful of, of being yeah. an inciter of this nonsense, is that sometimes I feel like I need to step away and be like, you know what? I don't know if it's even healthy just to be angry about this stuff all the time. Like... Yeah, and it's why I'm stepping away from Magic slowly. I mean, I still have, I have this podcast every week and I'm still, you know, foiling Commander decks for no particular reason, but, like, uh, it, I just I can't bother to engage with it anymore. Um, a, a lot of the time, you know, like, in the way that I did. Um, just mm-hmm. just being on being on Twitter, on, on Magic Twitter, uh, is just exhausting most of the time because there's so many opinions and also so many people um, asserting their opinions as, as fact. And I mean, I guess that's what I just did. I, th- I think Astrolabe is a problem. I think it's destroyed legacy, but it's just so many people doing that and doing that and then arguing and all that stuff. And it creates a toxic environment, obviously. But yeah, I mean, being positive on the internet is far less fun, far less engaging than, than being yeah. positive on the internet, right? Yeah, that's it. I think it's it's just kind of a symptom of the, the world and times we live in, I think, really. it's We live in a world where most people have a platform, whereas that wasn't necessarily the case that long ago. And yeah, it's, it's so much easier now than ever just to to get online and, and say something be that negative or positive and couple that with it's it's the negative things that you remember it's the negative things that are the loudest always as well so i don't know i think it's just it's it is one of those symptoms or effects of the world that we live in but it is very very visible in your i guess niche bubble within your, your niche hobby yeah that's true that's very true i think magic twitter is just a microcosm of twitter in general or just social media in general where like regardless of what the topic is there's factions <laughs> i guess on either side who are being aggressive I, yeah whether they're I agree, right or wrong i think every every i guess fandom if that's the term that we want to use here i think every fandom has that really i mean yeah at least magic players at least the ones that have well the ones that i follow on twitter <laughs> tend to be like reasonable people and have nice opinions about everything other than magic so yeah <laughs> it's not a horrible experience in, in, in those terms to be honest, to be honest though the, the upside of like the current climate if you can call it an upside of the current climate <laughs> and current crisis and current 
health issues and everything that's going on in the world right now is that I don't remember the last time I saw people arguing about cards on Twitter. Like, a lot of it has moved to, like, for the most part, good discussion of social change and, of course, the occasional arguing with a dickhead. But, like, I can't remember the last time someone was arguing over whether or not for example, Astrolabe was bad. It's part of probably yeah. it's probably why they want to make the video as well. I'm like, do I really want to start a debate on this when there's such like huge wider issues? Well, yeah, there's a bit of that definitely. as well. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking like my my Twitter feed is like very little magic at the moment. It's just sort of spoilers. People will say, oh, this is good or this is bad, and then it'll move on. Um, and I think, like like you said, like upside, it's very difficult to use those terms um, because everything is horrible. But it, it's kind of a relief in that sense that I don't have to constantly engage with magic negativity. Um, instead, mm-hmm. I have to engage with negativity about the, the general state of the world, <laughs> which in terms of as a magic player is, I guess, better that I'm not just seeing this constant like negativity mill. Um, I'm seeing other stuff, <laughs> I guess. I think as well it'll probably help once we all get out from under our rocks and we can play and see our friends and hang out at game stores and yeah. stuff again. Like yeah. I mean, I, I generally don't believe that's going to be anytime soon. So buckle up. But <laughs> I think that will help. That will help yeah. a lot. Like whatever frustrations and and or burnout, should I say, that I feel with magic right now. Not that I'm quitting magic content, as people keep saying on Twitter that I am, which I'm not. <laughs> but like whatever frustrations I feel with it would probably be alleviated if I could just play a bit of Commander than the local store and just really kick back. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, my my magic engagement, like in terms of actual like. I guess debate or like actual discussion is like a couple of group chats in this podcast. <laughs> I don't get to go every week and speak with a wide swath of people about things. I just have to, I've got like, you know, 280 characters and a group chat and a podcast to talk about it. And there's only so much you can get out, I guess, of those stuff. Right. So I'm very conscious of time, but before we get out, do we want to, Vince, do you briefly want to talk about the accessibility of Eternal Formats and Legacy? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't have to. Uh, but... No, no, we, we can. We can. We definitely can. Sure. Um, uh, my biggest bugbear is, as many might know, if, if anyone's familiar with my content, is that they won't reprint cards and leave reprinting. And I am fully aware that there's a thing called reprint equity, as the term has been coined. And I'm fully aware that I need to sell packs. And I'm fully aware that, you know, they're a company that needs to make money. But we're at a point where they are so reluctant to reprint things like Fetchlands, for example, among other um, staples, that we're getting to a point where this, the formats are so expensive to get into, people cannot get into them. It's just, just too high a barrier. I had a series that I started with one video and never went back to, and I planned to one day, perhaps, maybe, who knows, which was Budget Legacy Decks, where I played a budget version of Reanimated mm-hmm. with no Fetchlands and uh, no Jewels. Mm. And people were like, this is great, please do more <laughs> of these. And then as I sat down, I was talking through it with some patrons on my Discord, uh, it's very hard to get anything below the $500 mark, which is yes. insane when you say yes. it out loud. Yes. But below the $500 mark, because the, the dual lands can be taken out and even replaced with shock lands in certain decks where like, they don't play days, for example. I think you can do that. Miracles, for example. You can play like one Hollow Fountain to fetch an end step and then play a load of basics, especially if you play back to basics, Snowlands and Astrolabe, for example. Um, but then you do need fetch lands because brainstorm requires fetch lands. Or do we then go down the route of we don't play devil with brainstorm and we cut the fetch lands? And it becomes a whole discussion of what you can do. But ultimately, I came to the conclusion that actually the biggest barrier to entry and legacy beyond the reserve list, or even in spite of the reserve list, is the huge cost of certain staples like fetch lands. And I am now of the opinion, I'm coming to this conclusion, that Wizards of the Coast don't reprint them because they know they're worth tons of money and they want to keep them worth tons of money, almost like a secondary reserve list. 
and what and that's kind of where i fell on it okay yeah i yeah. fully fully agree with that um yeah i mean something that i i had planned myself was to do a quite a similar thing i was going to call it listless legacy and i was making a, a youtube video series based on getting into legacy or looking at legacy decks that don't use any reserveless cards but i scrapped that very much like yourself when i, I I figured that when you realize you the reserve the list isn't and it's the like, problem. oh, the reserve list isn't even even the problem. The reserve list is like six cards in the format. And if you if you look at Magic Online, it's the dual lands cost next to nothing. It's all all the fetch lands are the the biggest offenders. Yeah, it's 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 crazy their reluctance to reprint these things. And it, I mean, the, the the thing that I'm stuck on is like, why? Like, is it just to protect collectors? Is it because of the prestige or the ability to sell them at a later date that they've done with the secret there for like injection of cash at the end of a quarter? Is it a combination of all these things? Do they think this is the only way to monetize older formats is to use them to push up the price of staples and then sell those to the casuals who are going to buy these things? And I say casuals, I don't use that term, so it sounds very derogatory. I don't mean it like that. But the people who are going to clamber to get these fetch lands but still not be able to build a deck they haven't quite enough copies of them. Like, is that what it's doing? Is that all legacy is? Like a bank for them at this point? I mean, I think, I think my... My response to it is just they don't care. It's like if they if they cared about legacy or even modern as a format, they'd just reprint the fetchlands. They they like they'd reprint these staples that people need. And we saw that with you know Eternal Masters where they reprinted Force of Will, and that was a huge deal. And then you know Masters uh, seventeen where they reprinted the, they actually reprinted the fetchlands, and that that felt like a good step in the right direction because like even if they don't you know because it's not a GP format, it's not a supported format in terms of wizards. But if they just you know, keep us players on the side so we'll still occasionally... Because that's the thing, because I'm willing to put money into Wizards of the Coast if they're going to give me the cards I need, but I don't need any of the cards they're printing. I need... But 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 they but they are monetizing it, right? They are monetizing it by keeping the cards expensive yeah. and selling them in super premium products. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So there, there is a way to monetize the older formats, and perhaps this is the only way. Perhaps if they did crash the price, and we use that term loosely again, because you can keep premium versions costing loads of money, just get, like, four alternate art, Seb McKinnon lands are going to cost a bomb compared to the standard ones, right? That's always going to be the case. But, like, could they crash the price of fetch lands and then still monetize older formats? Is that a thing they could still do? Like, is that that's a legitimate question? Is that a thing they could do? I mean, maybe. Joe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I don't know. I think it's one of those, one of those hypotheticals without them actually doing something like that. That I just I don't know if I could answer. I think something that will be quite interesting to take a look at would be, I mean, it's not quite the same, but the printing of Grim Tutor, for example, in M21, a card that has been notoriously expensive for a long time now, and it it's going to be interesting to watch the price data for that card now that Definitely. they have reprinted it in, you know, I mean, in a meaningful it's gonna way. I mean, it's going to be... It'll be a similar trajectory to... Well, we've turned to an energy finance podcast all of a sudden. It'll be a similar trajectory <laughs> to Imperial Recruiter, won't it? Like, in terms of, like... No, well, except the fact that M21 is massively printed compared to... Yeah, uh, and the, the packs the of, of three pounds or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be a similar trajectory except for more printings at a lower yeah. price point. But, I mean, again, though, Imperial Recruiter was a reprint for Legacy because decks yeah. play it. Grim Tutor is a reprint for a card that the, the supply was just an, an absolute minimum because of one printing or two printings, and the demand is just casual and EDH, right? Like, that card sees no play in Eternal Formats. Yeah, that card's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's a one-off in Ant. Uh, it's not even a Commander card. That's it. Like, why would you... You wouldn't play that in a Commander deck. That's the thing. Like, I don't understand what that card um, is reprinted for. 
I, I've played it in Commander. Yeah, sure, but like, I, I think it's if, like if you're if you're like a a black based like combo deck, you want every tutor you can get, right? And once you're sure. exhausted, demonic and vamp and stuff, you come to like grim, yeah. and then you're like, sure, I guess I'll go up. You don't want to go to four and five mana tutors, but yeah, that's literally it. It's 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 it is a Commander card. And again, not even necessarily a competitive commander card, but a commander card nonetheless that people wanted. Otherwise, it wouldn't have a price tag, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing about I mean, yeah. with Fetchlands. So, like, if we're talking about a specific example, you could print those into the ground and they'd still be worth money. I I, I agree completely. Oh, like I mean, the secret there should have been alternate arts that were very very rare because they will hold money. And then you can you could have printed the non-alternate art ones that just copy the old art printings, for example, with a new set symbol and the new crappy border. And then those ones could be at a lower price point, and they would have sold tons i still i still can't get it around the idea that they couldn't have sold more at a lower price point to make more money than selling less at a higher price point right surely yeah. yes yeah uh, like and, unless they have a long-term plan i guess to reprint them but it doesn't seem like they are because i i, I started well, to think that about 18 months ago oh, they must have a long-term plan to reprint stuff like fetch lands and forceville but they clearly don't i'm super excited to see where they put them this year because obviously we know they're coming but i am i am under no impression they're going to be in any sort of decent uh, responsible reprint that will help the older formats. I mean, so I look forward to your video complaining about <laughs> <laughs> complaining about uh, Commander Legends when they're not printed in Commander Legends. <laughs> I, I just it's it's maddening. It's absolutely maddening, and it and it's probably one of the elements again with you talking about how like frustrated with Magic we are. And I like I love this game, and I still find enjoyment in playing it and talking about it. Otherwise, I wouldn't come on this podcast, obviously. But like. Seeing Wizards of the Coast just not give a shit about reprinting, like, just the fundamental building blocks of the majority of yeah, decks yep. in eternal formats, it it's just like, if they don't care, why should I care? Or why should I be respectful of them if they're not going to care? And the thing is, individuals like Wizards probably do care. I believe this is some sort of, like, there's probably a budget. They're probably given a... Re- they won't use the term reprint equity because that's a community-created term, I believe, but there'll be a budget somewhere on a Hasbro executive or what's the executive's desk. And they'll be like, how many cards are you printing in this set? How does that fit into here? What's the secondary market value? We don't want to crush the secondary market. We want creators, um, uh, investors to still be in. We want stores to still be in. We want, you see what I mean? Like, I mean, that is all tin foil hat, but I'm generally don't believe it's that far from the truth. I mean, as someone that yeah, works in I a store, as someone that works in a store, we want Fetchlands to be reprinted because we'll make a load of money off them. <laughs> like, it's far easier to have Scolding Tarn cost £30 and sell a load of them than it is to have it cost however much it costs them because I haven't checked recently. Like, having like four Scolding Tarns in stock at the price they're currently at is much worse than having 20 in stock at a much poorer price because they've reprinted it. Like, it's- That's a really important point that people don't talk about enough. I've yeah. spoken to multiple vendors at G that so they find it very hard to shift their pearls and their black lotuses yeah. and their their their, their foil scolding tarns and things like that. Meanwhile, the twenty to thirty pound staples just constantly go through like liquid, and that's the stuff they want. Well, it's so it's what I've been talking about with my boss: just ship all the high end stuff because it, we just need to get rid of it because it's just sitting in a like stuff sitting in a case. Like it's nice to own power, but like have it just sitting in a case for thousands of pounds just isn't that's not money <laughs> whereas having a, yeah. a you know a thing full of reprinted snapcaster mages and fetchlands is perfect because they're still high-end enough thing you at know, 20 30 quid that you can just start selling them but you actually get to sell more of them like with the reprint of oracle of Moldaya. So you've had an Oracle of Moldaya sitting in stock at £40, because that's generally the, the retail price. It's much better to have it slashed to £15, then you can acquire more of them and sell more of them. Like, it, reprinting the staples is perfect. It's it's what everyone wants, apart from... But even, even like, in terms of the collection, like, the, the collectors and stuff, like, if you reprinted Black Lotus in an M15 border, the old one's still going to have value. Like it's not going to oh, affect like, anything. You, you like can that. look at the price of Birds of Paradise right now. Like, the most reprinted rare from Alpha, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I might be slightly. 
But either way, the alphas and the betas are worth like thousands and hundreds, and the new the 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 tenth edition ones are worth like five or ten or whatever. Like exactly, it's obvious that older border stuff keeps its value. So the point that I'm saying, this hypothetical, this tinfoil hat theory that they've got a reprint equity plan at Wizards of the Coast is not saying that that's uh, a smart idea by any stretch. Because like I've spoken to vendors who would like them to um, you know, shift down the price of staples that they can sell them at, because yeah. they can't sell them at the current prices. Exactly. I mean, there's an argument there that perhaps vendors can put their prices down. Is that a, th- is that a thing? Well, it's, it's playing, into the, really... playing into the whole market then, I guess, is the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you just disrupt the market at that point, because then there's no, there's no sort of... Um, gold standard <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's no there's no like um surplus of cars to actually back that price up right because then they just dry up because then people just so if you if you put the price of scolding tarn with no reprint down to 20 pounds everyone buys them and there's no scolding tarns and then you just lost a source yeah. of income i guess it's, it's part of the problem with that like you could just shift everything down but i mean at the moment everything's shifting up like generally any magic card that's worth money has increased by 5 10 20 percent over the last three months because of surplus checks and, and people just buying magic cards because they, they have money to spend on that rather than going out to eat i guess but um i mean have you, have you seen the price of uh skithfix later lately no i imagine that's going to ups, upset it, me it, 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 it up it went up by like was it like 300 400 percent skittles just 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 because of the like the the spikes from the checks yeah because people are just buying edh cards that's the thing people are just buy yeah. edh staples that they they also never reprint like we're talking about Oracle yeah. of Muldar being in Jumpstart. It's the first reprint it's had in 11 years. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> they just don't want to print cards, apparently. Um, and like you say, like maybe we're just massively misunderstanding Wizards MO and the way that they work as a business and a company in terms of making money. But Jesus Christ, it's frustrating. And it's not like our frustrations have gone unvoiced. <laughs> there's this, yeah, this, yeah, exactly. I mean, like you in particular, like the professor, like there's and us... There's just there's so many people just complaining about all these things, and surely at a certain point it's just better to make your consumers happy than it is to hold whatever values you have that we don't understand. I, I don't think so because the consumers are happy in the eyes of like executives yeah. and shareholders because like like you said to me earlier when I was saying about um, a plethora of products coming out and the noise that makes people are still buying the boosters. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, the, the line the line's still going up on the graph. So exactly. Yeah, it's at the end of the day, I think. You know, some, I know you've talked about it yourself in some videos, Vince. It's the, the thing that we, we we see, at least what I see definitely as well, is is it's a, it's a kind of a mirroring of some of the tactics that you see in like the the AAA video games industry, and it works there. And companies are making millions and billions there, so it it just it makes sense for them as as a business in this bizarre world of unchecked capitalism to just do those practices as well, and you know they work. The, the the next like big topic I think I think I think I saw Knox did a video on it today was it Knox I don't want to say it. if it wasn't I'm going to check but they've um, put out a video about uh, the monetization issues around Arena and namely that we're about to have a lot of reprints of cards that already exist on Arena and if you open them um, they're duplicate cards so they're wasted cards yeah. essentially because you already own them because um, oh, they're from a different set and, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So, so if, if you have, you have four that, temples from Theros Beyond Death you can then Rather than uh, if you open one of them in M twenty one, it gives you gems. It doesn't do that. You get you get a copy of that exact same card. From M21. And then you can choose which set symbol to play in your deck. Cool. But like, so, so Noxious is obviously quite a big name in the Magic community in terms, especially around Arena and stuff. Yeah. So the fact that he's doing a video and I haven't watched it yet, perhaps I'll click on it. And he's like, I love this. This is great. Which is, <laughs> but I'm assuming he's calling it out because it's nonsense. And 
I, I'm always interested to see how they re- how they react to that stuff. Because Arena's full of the whole, like you said, the AAA gaming stuff of, yeah. you know, detaching monetary value by giving you, like, a Hocus Pocus gem counter so you can't tell how much money you're spending and, and like, uh, and uh, get it before it's gone mentalities and stuff like that. You see that with, with Secret Layers too. So there's a lot of, like, nefarious business practices and this duplication thing i'm glad people are like calling it out and hopefully hopefully it'll get called out enough to the point where like yeah okay we've addressed it yeah i I hope so i i personally still have i still think there's an even bigger issue with arena i just just think there needs to be some sort of dusting system or a way to way to turn your cards into into gems like they're just yeah it's called historic buddy you gotta play your old cards in historic so i (laughs) and then win some gems yeah Yeah, and then they just print a load of cards and change the format of course yeah so i I picked up hearthstone um two weeks ago for the first time since october last year and instantly i was able to dust the collection i have and make a tier one deck if i was to stop playing arena now interesting if i was to stop playing arena now and then start again after rotation, I would have no way to get enough wild cards to make a deck unless I pumped a load of money into it or grinded for months and months. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the yeah. situation I'm in with uh, with Arena at the moment. It's just like, I, yeah. I, I, did, yeah. I didn't care about it because it wasn't... Because at the time, I was able to go and play Magic with actual human beings and play with cards, and I didn't particularly care about online Magic that much. Um, and then that meant I miss I missed like two rotations, and I just don't have anything, and there's no point in me, me trying because it's going to take so much effort and so much money to actually get to the point of having a reasonable collection that it's just not worth my time or money <laughs> to to get to whereas if i could like dust all my um dominaria cards or whatever then i'd be able to play a tier one deck and then probably put more money into arena but at the moment i'm just playing cube because i i don't have the resources to play arena properly I mean that's the accessibility thing as well, right? Because if yeah. uh, so, this this is going to sound like oh oh look at me, but like if the dusting thing came around, I probably here's an example of a whale almost. I guess I wouldn't dust anything because I always want the opportunity to play, especially as a content creator, play historic decks and stuff, right? So there will be people out there who will still pump the money because I have to buy cards every set to be able to make arena videos now and again. So it's not like they're going to lose that element. They're just going to make it more accessible for people who want to come back after six, twelve. 14 months or exactly, whatever. Yeah. I guess yeah. there, there must be some money they'll lose to it, but I think the goodwill and also the... Uh, fuck it. What about ethics? Like, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> like money's lovely, right? And I, and I mean, as much as I'm not a capitalist, I'm not outright an ap- anti-capitalist, but for God's sake, you could just do the right thing by the people that have supported you for like years. Some of these people have been playing your game for 20 or 30 years at this point. Throw them a bone. Jesus Christ. I think... You announcing you're not an anti-capitalist means we have to kick you off the podcast. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. <laughs> but, but I mean, but, but before we finish up, this is something I said in my whales video when I was talking about the idea of whale hunting and how they're basically explicitly stating that they love hunting those whales. Is that they are just turning around to people and telling them they're too poor to access their older formats. Yeah. They're too yeah. poor to jump in and play a tier one deck. Yeah. They're too poor to... to get some lovely foil alternate arts in their boosters when they're getting them off in the collector's boosters even though the expeditions were available at some point in the past anyway they're just saying you're too poor to access all these parts yeah and i, I get guess that whale products can exist but jesus that does is not a feel good for many people yeah definitely i guess a, a comment i just want to throw in while we're on that topic is is just like double masters vip boosters oh like, they announced the price yet hundred dollars it's like well they're like $90 or whatever on Amazon, or at least they were before they sold out. They were like $90, but 
the fact that a it's ninety dollars for a booster pack, and b it's the VIP booster pack. So if, VIP. if you don't buy this, you're not a VIP. Yeah. Like, well, that's that's the, like I think we could talk for another hour. On, yeah. on oh, that kind of easily, thing. easily. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, we we we're pre-selling individual VIP boosters for a hundred pounds. And that's not us trying to gouge and trying to. It's just yeah. the price we have to charge for them because of VAT and because of the cost price. And that, like, I think saying that is enough on that to be honest, because it's just insane, <laughs> yeah. it's just insane whichever way you look at it. So what's that like? Almost three times the price of a commander deck for look, yeah. If I had said to you, if I had said to you, so we and Brian have talked about this on our podcast, dice removal. There's a plug for you. But we've <laughs> talked before, but we're like, where do we think this will end? When we're talking about the first time collectors business came out and secret layers too, like where will this stop? And I don't think we even joked about a hundred pound singular booster. Yeah. That wasn't even in the realms of joking. Exactly. We were joking about a lot of stuff. That is. <laughs> it's just absurd <laughs> but the thing is there's a place for it to exist right yeah. and even then I said about people being too poor to access certain parts of the game the fancy foils and stuff maybe that is the thing that you are and I hate to say again too poor to access because those things don't stop you playing it's the actual game pieces like Fetchlands or the ability to pick up Arena and dust your cards like you said and get the, the, the tier 1 deck now from your old cards those things literally make you too poor to play the game or at least access those formats so having hundred dollar boosters i'm just gonna say as much as it makes me feel a bit sick i get it because some people will buy those and it's nice fancy alternate arts right but the fact that people can't afford fetch lands because they won't reprint them is not a thing that i can ever be like oh oh well that exists because that's just ruining the game for so many people and yep. meaning that legacy and modern will probably die like i've yep. always been saying legacy will never die but they will if people can't access them and it's just the same old vanguard playing it the same vanguard like myself and you guys are just saying that we're kind of sick of the new shit as well <laughs> yeah, exactly so Oh. that's the thing the format's just not for anyone anymore like because it's not it's, we don't like all the new stuff generally people don't like the new stuff and then people that might enjoy playing the new stuff can't afford to play the format so who's it for like why does legacy like who's playing legacy because we're getting turned off it by the fact that we don't want to play against oko and uro and teferi every game and astrolabe and then people can't literally can't afford to play that format then well, what's the point <laughs> Like, well, I guess it's uh, retroactively fulfilling their their words when they're saying that when they cancelled the only legacy or stopped the only legacy GP and didn't announce another one, they're like, "Oh, it just doesn't get the numbers." And like and at the time, <laughs> it was like legacy players will travel, yeah. and now we've got to a point where like, yeah, legacy players probably won't travel if you if you make them frustrated with the new card. Well, yeah, exactly, absolutely. Uh, I think that's brought it very nicely full circle. <laughs> um, anyone anyone got any more points before we head out here? Uh, Good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. Probably days worth of, of things we could talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at this be point, be good we to are... one another. That's 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 a good yeah, point. To absolutely. Make. And, perhaps, yeah. and also, just remember, like the game can still be enjoyable despite all these frustrations. And these things might feel a lot better once we all get out and can like breathe some fresh air and hang out with our friends. That's that's yeah. what I'm going to make. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if I can actually speak to another human being about this, not through a microphone, I'll probably feel better about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is true. I, I do really look forward to when the gathering can come back to magic. So that is pretty much all we have time for this week. If you've enjoyed anything that you've heard on the show today and you want to check us out on social media, you can do. On Twitter, we are at HFDcast, facebook.com slash HFDcast. You can find us those places. Uh, we're also on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash Hour of Devastation. My tiers start from as little as $1 per month. That's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode. But like we've said in previous episodes, your, your Patreon money is, is much better suited elsewhere currently. Yeah, donate to Bell Funds and, and, and people that are trying to make the world a better place. And if you're 
not politically inclined, I guess, give it to your LGS because they need money as well. Uh, you can find the podcast. Yeah, support local business. Absolutely. Support local business. That genuinely, like, even just getting a takeout from like a like a restaurant where they they've closed down their actual restaurant part, that might help people pay their staff and pay their rent and pay their bills. Yeah, you know? I'm looking for my I'm looking forward to my falafel wrap. I'm going to have tomorrow for my local business. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find the podcast on SoundCloud and Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher, I think. Uh, if you want to go to one of those platforms and give us a rating or a review or just share it with people, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to find me on my own personal social media, on Twitter, I'm at PeachGardenOaf. It's over the net. Uh, Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. You'll find me pretty much anywhere in any of the magic groups. Uh, I'll, I'll be around. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at snail 69 Nice. Thank you. I mean, you can find me on Facebook and all the UK magic groups, but I'm just telling people to fuck off because they're racist if you want to go to me up there. Um, uh, Vince, where can people find you? Uh, you can check me out on youtube.com forward slash present Kenobi, where I make uh, between three and five magic videos a week. One of Warhammer video that makes some people sad, and occasionally I talk about how shit statues are, and that also really <laughs> upsets people, makes them call me a gobby. Uh, you can also check me out on twitch.tv forward slash present Kenobi, where I stream a, a minimum of once a week. Uh, I'm also very active on Twitter as present Kenobi, Instagram as present Kenobi. Reference like pictures of miniatures, um, and there's also a Facebook page of Pleasant Kenobi as well. If that's your preferred social media source to see when my videos get notified, uh, like they're going out because YouTube won't do it all the time. Excellent, I mean, thanks very much for coming on, Vince. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed it, it's been fun. It's been a lot it's of fun. Been, yeah, it's good, it's good to rage with someone else. It's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. But once again, we are approaching the second hour. The Godfarer has returned, so we'll see you again next week. On